Hey guys, it's Tats here from Castagra, and welcome to the Specified Growth Podcast. Each week, I talk to leaders and experts about how to overcome adversity, grow massive organizations, and how to create meaningful change in the building materials and codings industry. Today's guest is Daryl Amy. He's a growth strategist, an author, a speaker at the Revenue Growth Engine. Hey, Daryl, thank you. Thank you for coming on the show. It's fantastic to be here. I've really been looking forward to this conversation. Yeah, so uh, Larry, I guess your co-host on your podcast sort of introduced me to you. And I was doing the background research before this interview, and I noticed that you guys were in, in cop- both in copier sales. That's right. It started for me straight out of college. I got, like all of us, looking for that first opportunity. And next thing you know, I was I was smack dab in one of the most competitive sales <laughs> roles out there. But if you know anything about that, you also know that when you put yourself in that type of hyper-competitive situation, you kind of get thrown to the wolves. You end up uh, learning a lot. So I will say it was a it was a fantastic, it wasn't an easy learning experience, but it was a fantastic learning experience and a quick, a quick introduction to the world of sales for sure. Yeah, that's awesome. So did you know Larry before, or is there some secret society of former copier sales executives? <laughs> well, actually I was, I was in sales for, I started in sales in 1993, about 10 years later. I got fascinated with the software world. I was fascinated with workflow automation, software, all of that. So I started teaching sales reps how to sell software. And it was in that, in that process that I actually met Mr. Larry Levine. He was learning how to sell software and we became fast friends watching, watching someone like Larry who had every right to keep doing what he was doing. He was a highly successful sales professional. But like most successful people, he said, I want to get better. I want to have an edge. So he was full on into learning how to sell software solutions. And then as many of you know, if you know Larry, you know, he was an early adopter in LinkedIn and started using social in the highly competitive Los Angeles marketplace. So during all of that, over the last 15 years, Larry and I have been friends and then become podcast co-hosts and business partners in the process. So it's been a journey. And I think it's a lot of fun as an entrepreneur, as, as a forward-thinking business person, to be able to look to your left, look to your right, see who's there. And it's one thing to go on the journey by yourself. It's even better if you have like-minded peers to take that journey with you. Yeah, for sure. Now, you mentioned copier sales and then software sales. I mean, are there what are the similarities? What are the differences? Well, it's the similarities, whether you're selling office equipment, software, building supplies, you're selling janitorial services, you name it. The similarities on this are, are actually very simple. The reality, and, and this is one of my core beliefs, is that people do not buy the products you sell. They don't buy the services you sell. They buy the outcomes those products and services enable. And so one of the things we get trapped in as salespeople and as marketers, and I've worn both of those hats now for the last 18 years, 
is we get trapped into becoming enamored with our own products, our own companies. And we forget that the reason people buy the products and services that we offer are because of what they're going to do for them. They're going to solve a problem. They're going to help them achieve a goal. I call those outcomes in Revenue Growth Engine, my book. And it all comes back to one of my favorite stories is with Theodore Levitt. Theodore Levitt was the father of modern marketing. He was a Harvard Business School professor. And he used to go into his class and... Let me just pull this out because this, yeah. this, I keep this right here on my desk. If you hang out with me, you're going to see this. This is an electric drill bit. Oh, yeah. And uh, it goes in, by the way, if I'm not working, helping companies develop growth strategies, I'm in my shop building something. I grew up in the construction industry. And so my pastime is out there building. So this drill bit, Theodore Levitt would walk in and hold up this drill bit and he'd say, hey, look, no one in the history of Lowe's, Home Depot, insert hardware store here, ever went to the store to buy a drill bit. What they went to buy was the hole. And Seth Godin, one of my all-time favorite marketing people would say, well, they didn't really buy the hole. They needed the hole so they could hang that plaque on the wall so they could look good to their friends. And Donald Miller, another one of my favorite authors would say, well, we're all actually descended from cavemen. We're afraid <laughs> we're going to get eaten by a tiger if we don't fit in. So we need the hole so we can hang something on the wall to fit in so we don't get eaten by the tiger. The point of all of it is, it doesn't matter whether you went to the store to get a hole to hang something on the wall or to avoid getting eaten by a tiger. You didn't go to buy the drill bit. You went to buy the outcome. And, and I think whether you're selling software, whether you're selling hardware, whether you're selling dishwasher soap or you're selling anything, the reality is we've got to remember that the, the things that people buy are the outcomes that are products and services deliver. So as salespeople, and I'll always beat this drum, as marketers and entrepreneurs, we have to remember to not lead with the product. We need to lead with the outcome. Don't lead with the drill bit. Lead with what that is going to enable for your prospects and clients. Wonderful. I love that analogy. So I have to ask, what has been your, I've almost been eaten by a tiger moment. <laughs> oh my. Um, well, I will say, you know, the, probably one of the scariest moments in my life. And it, it was now looking back 2004. So we're talking 17, almost 18 years ago was when I went out into business on my own. And I'd always wanted to have my own business. But at the time, I had a really cushy job. It was a nice expense account. They were contributing to my retirement fund. And there were bonuses. But I just, you know, I had this, I wanted to go out on my own. I wanted to, to make an impact. I wanted to do this. So that scary moment for me was that moment when, like all entrepreneurs listening in, we all remember that moment where we said, okay, you know what, I'm going to do it. And, you know, you jumped off that cliff. And for me, that was January 1st, 2004. And it was interesting because I was really scared in the months leading up to jumping off the cliff. But during the free fall, <laughs> it felt great. So I've been an entrepreneur now for 17, almost, I guess, 18 years. And in that process, you know, it was scary getting in, but the journey and the adventure along the way has been fantastic. Mm, you touched on fears. What are some fears that hold <laughs> sales and marketing people back? 
Oh, wow. You know, it was interesting earlier today, we just got done with the 2021 sales and marketing alignment challenge at, at Revenue Growth Engine. I wrote a book to create a model to align sales and marketing to deliver the outcome we all want, which is revenue growth. You know, no one is the same as the drill bit, right? Nobody yeah. really wants sales. They're not, we don't have marketing with the outcome we want is revenue growth. And so I was talking earlier today with my friend, Jeb Blunt. And if, you know, in the sales world, we all know Jeb Blunt for fanatical prospecting and just incredible things. And I was laughing because we were talking about sales and marketing alignment. And he said, hey, marketing people, we get scared that we're gonna, I don't know, with marketing people, we get scared. So we like package all our stuff and make it so wishy-washy and provisional and all of that. When what we need to do is just come out and say it, right? Just be direct, be specific. And I think where salespeople, obviously we have call reluctance. Sales is a brutal profession from their impact. I don't care how tough you are as a human being. The reality is sales is a job where you hear no, or even worse, where you pour your heart into something and then people don't call you back or all of that. It's it's a really challenging profession. So there's, there's that fear around call reluctance and, and all of that in sales, which I want to come back to in just a second. But I think it's in marketing as well. You see it in marketers where we start creating things that are, once again, so indirect and wishy-washy and nice. Because I think we're almost that same thing in sales. In marketing, we're afraid of being direct and being seen as, as pushy or whatever. But, but the reality is, if we're talking about the outcomes that our prospects and clients want, we can be direct because we're addressing those, those issues. Right now, I'm working with Larry on a project. And so I, I get to have so much fun. I'm a visionary. And so part of my life is working with Larry at Selling from the Heart, where we're bringing authenticity into the sales profession. And we are hosting the podcast. We're working with some amazing companies that are looking at, at sales right now and, and some and amazing sales reps too that are saying, you know what? I want to be authentic. I want to deliver this combination of authentic relationship, you know, trust, and also authentic value. Because the reality is, once again, we, we got to bring these two together. Whether you're in sales, marketing, you own a company, you got to have this combination of trust. Like I trust this person, I trust this company, and outcome, like they have value that is going to help us out. And that's when you get those two married together, great things happen. And so, but the challenge is, it's interesting, we've been working with this group of salespeople in the authentic selling intensive. So we've, we've got this group of high performance salespeople that said, okay, I'm going to go for it. I want to, I want to develop authenticity. And what's really interesting is we say, you know what, if you're going to show up authentically, you got to know who you are. And if you're going to you know, show up authentically, you've got to bring your heart to your relationships and passion. The problem is in the brutal world of sales where we take so much rejection, so much disappointment and frustration and all of that tendency to just kind of put all these walls up of self-protection. And then we intend to go into interactions with our clients and prospects authentically, but we've got so much wall put up that it ends up being anything but authentic. So 
that's another fear that salespeople have right now is they have a fear of not only call reluctance, rejection, all of that, which is a natural human thing, but I think they also have a fear of being authentic. Like if I put myself out there and, and I'm authentic and maybe even vulnerable in a relationship that what's going to happen. But the rea- reality is relationships and trust are born out of vulnerability and authenticity. And so there's this catch 22 going on in sales. And we got this group of, of high performance salespeople taking a deep dive there. And it's so, it's so a fun's not the right word. Interesting honest, you know, when you start peeling some of the layers back on that to realize what needs to change. I love the sales profession. I, you know, once again, one hat marketing, one foot in the marketing field, one foot in sales. I love sales because it continually pushes us to become better people. And that's, that's, that's what I love about, about the sales profession. That makes sense. You touched on sales and marketing alignment. I did not know that marketing did not get along with sales. I thought they always got along. <laughs> but you know, seriously, how, how do you get both sides to work together better? What what can be done there? Well, it begins. It does begin. You're right. I mean, there there's organizations we have as a small company, especially when you solopreneur, chief cook and bottle washer. You're the marketing, <laughs> sales, operations, finance department. But as as companies begin to grow and these things tend to become siloed. And historically in the evolution of companies, just as companies grow, marketing and sales have been separate departments, separate teams, separate locations. They speak different language. The language of sales is questions. The language of marketing is answers. So you get these people in the same room. First of all, that's the first step is, is let's get together and let's start working on things together. We realized with the, so I, I believe that sales and marketing align around a number of, of areas. First of all, you've got to have a common goal. And when I wrote Revenue Growth Engine, it all came out of the realization, I was getting ready to speak to a conference of sales and marketing people. And I could tell, you know, when you walk in the room, the marketing people were all gaga and excited about the latest marketing technologies and strategies. And there is a lot of really cool things. I'm a marketing and closet nerd. I love the gadgets. But at the same time, I could also see the sales managers in the room. They were sitting on the back rows. They had their either their arms folded, like, what in the world are we doing here? Or they were on their, their phones, hammering their reps for activity and uh, updated <laughs> forecasts. But the reality is, I realize in the business owners, it's so, it's so funny, marketing people, notepads out, ready to go sales managers, eyes rolled, business owners, there were several of them in the back of the room. I could see them drinking their coffee, chatting with each other, looking out over the room going, why can't y'all get along? And what I realized in that moment was that the goal, it's not about sales, although I love sales. It's not about marketing. What it's actually about is growing revenue. And so When I realized that, that's when the idea for the revenue growth engine came together. The question was, how can we, what ways can we align sales and marketing to grow revenue? And so there's there's five core ways. Number one, you got to know who what your goals are. And there's two ways to grow revenue. You can grow net new business or you can cross sell more to your current customers. Pretty simply stated, most companies are good at one or the other. They're either good at net new or they're good at managing and growing their client relationships. When you get both going at the same time, the math is fun. You get exponential 
revenue growth. And in fact, if you want to start playing around with that, I put a, a revenue growth calculator on the website. You can just text the word revenue to 21,000 and get access to our toolkit. And you begin to see, wow, if we do net new and cross sell at the same time, modest growth in each one of those areas delivers exponential mm. growth. So get them aligned around the goals, get them aligned around the ideal client. And this is the next thing is, is at the middle of the revenue growth engine mm -hmm. is an ideal client. Like who are your best fit clients? Mm -hmm. Let's talk about that. Let's figure that out together. And once we identify that ideal client profile, the next thing that sales and marketing can align on is the message. We talked about the drill bit. They don't buy the drill bit. They buy the whole. Okay, well, what is the whole to your ideal clients? What are, what are the outcomes your ideal clients want? Let's work together as sales and marketing to understand that. So we stop talking about the product first or the company first. And we talk together about the outcomes that our clients and prospects want. And in doing that, we hopefully make sure that what they read on the website or the email they got is the same as what the sales rep talks about when they get into the Zoom meeting. And this is so goals, ideal client, message. Then the fourth area is ex customer experience. Mm -hmm. And this one has been, you know, if you think about customer experience or maybe another language for that that might be more familiar to some of us is buyer's journey and customer journey like the steps that they go through from the time they first encounter your company to the first time they buy something all the way through that whole relationship. What's going on there? What do we want to happen? Where's the friction? How could we make the experience memorable and remarkable and create competitive advantage? Sales and marketing can align around the client experience. The last thing, the fifth thing that sales and marketing need to align around, and this is what I was talking with Jeb Blunt about earlier today, is aligning around processes. We have all these different processes for net new business and for cross-selling. We have processes for lead generation and prospecting. We have the sales process. We have the onboarding process. We have the upsell or the renewal process. We have the client management. All of these different processes are for my Canadian friends, processes in your business. <laughs> yeah, I'm bilingual. I speak Canadian and American. So you, you get both here. But all of these, all of these core processes are, are really areas where sales and marketing can need to, I would say, get in the room together and go, okay, let's map this out. Let's understand it. Let's understand what's going on at each stage? How can we support each other in making these processes frictionless and driving the good emotions that are going to lead to a sale and customer loyalty? And so you look at those goals, ideal client, message, customer experience, and processes. Those are five key areas where sales and marketing can, and I would add need to get in the same room or Zoom room together and work on getting aligned. And this is especially true right now because as we're recording this, we're in the uh, spring of 2021. Hopefully, we're coming out of said pandemic that we've <laughs> been in. I don't, you know, I'm not a prophet as to how that's going to look, but I can tell you something things are going to change. And so, pre pandemic, your buyers wanted, for example, let's think about your message. Pre-pandemic, your ideal clients wanted one thing. 
when the pandemics started, the outcomes they wanted shifted. So Gartner did research in the tech space where I spent a lot of time. And Gartner said, pre-pandemic, people wanted productivity, efficiency, scalability, right? Post-pandemic, same companies, same products they were selling. Mm. What the buyers wanted was redundancy, resiliency, remote work, all those types of things enable remote work. And so sales and marketing, smart sales and marketing teams at the beginning of the pandemic got together and said, okay, how does our message need to shift? Mm. If they didn't, you risk all of a sudden someone downloads something off your website and all these emails start kicking out. Imagine, imagine this email coming to you after, you know, in the middle of the pandemic and saying, Hey, right now, while business is exploding, this is the time when you need scalability so that you can drive more traffic into your retail store or something, you know, like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Seriously, I mean, it, it was scary the number of companies that had a message pre programmed into their marketing automation system, sure. for example, or sales sequences. And that same message, your message right now might be during the struggles of the lockdown and the pandemic and the blah, 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 blah. Imagine we get out of this, but you hadn't shifted your message. Your clients get that and go, what are you talking about? So this is an important time. I really, truly believe this is why we ran the sales and marketing alignment challenge and why the feedback was so powerful is because right now, whether you are a solopreneur, you've got a small growing company, midsize or enterprise, all these five points of alignment this is a really critical time to look at goals, ideal client, to look at the message, the customer experience, and the process. Think about customer experience now. We're delivering everything virtual. Let me just say, for the most part, virtual customer experience is terrible, right? On the surface. So we got to get together and figure out what that could look like and how that could be made awesome. And so anyhow, I get fired up about all this stuff. But I think right now, alignment is one of those things that, yeah, it's kind of optional. We don't get along. You make fun of it, or maybe just we've given up. I've been saying on my podcast, the Revenue Growth Podcast, we've got to get it done in 2021. And this, is, this means that some of these things where we've had on the back burner or just kind of given up on, we got to make a real push into sales and marketing alignment right now. Wonderful. I love the word alignment. And I know you use the word visionary, which is great because that's sort of EOS language, I believe. So, and then on your profile, also notice Myers Briggs stuff. <laughs> well, INTJ. So, yes, walk sir. me through that logic of putting that out there. Well, first of all, I do want to just give a shout out to all of our friends working on EOS. All of my companies run on EOS and even our company Convergo which does revenue growth strategies, serves the EOS community, helping them build revenue growth strategies. So we eat, drink, breathe, sleep this stuff. And I'm a diehard visionary. INTJ, if you're a Myers-Briggs fan, is an architect. It's, I mean, we're introverted. We, we, <laughs> you know, we sit, us INTJs sit and look at things and look at things in terms of this system's broken. How can we fix it? So I was doing that 20 years ago with workflow automation software. And what I get to do today is look at companies' sales and marketing strategies and how they're driving growth and help them build the model the right way, fix the problems, and, and get a high performance 
growth engine. So I'm a Myers-Briggs INTJ. Are you a Myers-Briggs fan? Yeah, I, I'm starting to learn more about it. I think I took it INFJ, I think. And then All right. also, uh, I think we were on EOS as well. So EOS oh, fan, fantastic. Mike uh, Payton on the, uh, the oh, show. I love so. it. Yeah, fantastic. And yeah, so just this whole thing, I love, I love, I'm like, I love helping companies create and optimize models for growth, especially, especially companies that are, are generous, forward thinking. They provide a great work environment. We're going to need jobs coming out of all of this. We need good jobs, you know, that companies that have, that care about their employees and care about their communities and invest. Those are the ones that I, I really want to help. In fact, when I uh, released Revenue Growth Engine last summer, says right in the forward, my goal, it's a big, hairy, audacious goal, but my goal is to help 10,000 companies double their revenue so we can generate $10 billion in new nonprofit giving. So when this is, once again, how does that happen? Growth happens when we get strategic and we get practically aligned around these two growth drivers of net new and selling more to our current clients. Wonderful. I love how simple you, you kept it. Is there any last bit of advice or anything you want to pass on to our listeners? I want to encourage, and we've been saying this all year long on the, the Revenue Growth Podcast, and it's a sales and marketing conversation. And we, we've been saying this all year long. I just, I want to cheer you on. If you are, if you own a company, if you lead a sales team, you're in sales. If you are working in marketing, it's been a tough year. There's, there's no question about that. However, when you think about the future and you think about the future of your company, you think about the future of your community, the future of your country even, it is going to depend on sales and marketing people working together to drive revenue. I mean, at the end of the day, nothing happens. No jobs are created no donations go to nonprofits, everything, nothing good happens until revenue happens. And so at the core of all of this, for everyone working in a revenue generating position, I just want to say, I know it's hard. I know it's a grind some days and I know it's tough, but I just want to cheer you on. And uh, we say this, we say this at the end of every revenue growth podcast. And if I send you a book and autograph it, I'll write, Let's get going and let's get growing because right now, this is the time where we've got to get it done. We've got to grow and, and it's going to require a new level of strategy and alignment. Perfect. Well, thank you, Daryl. Thanks for uh, taking the time. Uh, it's been a total pleasure. I've really enjoyed our conversation today. Thank you for listening to the Specified Growth Podcast today. I also want to thank the listeners who are working hard each day to change the world to make it a better place. Make sure you check out youtube.com forward slash Tats Talks for video of today's podcast. Hit the subscribe button for upcoming episodes, entrepreneurial tips, and more. See you over there.
This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.